Welcome to Dark Mode, the podcast that brings you sage advice from two technology experts. And that's not just what we call ourselves, it's what our moms tell people when the scrolling is natural and correct. No. I'm your host, Luke Miani, and I'm undeniably correct. And I'm your host, Noah Rubin, the actual correct no. host. I get the that last was word. Terrible. No, you already said, you said the first part of the uh-huh. intro, so I get to say my part. I get to have the last word in this intro. Okay, go for it. And I'm your host, Noah Rubin. On the show, we take questions from listeners or ourselves, attempt to answer them to varying degrees of success, correct in my case, incorrect in Luke's case, nope. and maybe even have a laugh or two along the way, ha 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 ha. Or a fist fight or two along the way, I'm which about, is where this is heading. I'm about ready for that. Natural scrolling is objectively, objectively better. And that's not just my words. That's the words of two-thirds of our Twitter poll within, oh, 62 to 38. 221 people have, have sent it in so far. It's only been eight minutes, and you are already being debunked. I wouldn't, I wouldn't call it debunked. I would just say that the, that the, that the mainstream opinion... It just hasn't caught up. It's it's like an undiscovered. It's like like a like a mm. hidden gem, an undiscovered. You know, the the masses aren't always right. Yeah, but sometimes you're dumb. Sometimes I am, but not in this case. In this case, especially, I think. I don't think so. I think in all other cases, you know what? I'm gonna eat these almonds and go into anaphylactic shock if you don't admit that I'm right. And it's going to be your fault. And I'm going to tell them that you poisoned me and you're going to go to jail for a hundred years. You know what? If it's, if it, if it, I would rather that happen than me admit, not admit, but me state mm. that, that, that natural scrolling is right. I would rather. Actually, I don't know if I can eat these. It says it may contain peanuts. Oh, peanut in the almonds. Yeah. Peanuts they, in the almonds. I'm allergic to peanuts. Oh, well, you so I not. can't eat that. Damn. What's this? Why do you just have, like, random... This looks kind of good. Oh, is this that weird energy bar thing that you yeah. were talking about? Yeah. For those of you who aren't aware, uh, Noah just kind of pillages his office for snacks. When he picked me up from the airport on Wednesday night, he pulls up in the Polestar 2. Lovely car, by the way. And he's like, oh, here, I brought you a little, like, to-go pack of, of goldfish. And here's two... Oreos packaged in a little individual wrapper. Oh, and here's some flavored water. And I was like, is this like, am I at a hotel? So that's all he does all day is just go around and pillage different snacks and then not actually eat them. That's one of the perks. One of the perks of uh, going to the office. What, decorative snacking? Yeah. I mean, hey, you, you, you ate those Oreos. So you gotta, they were worth something. I did. I did. I did do that. You're not wrong. Yes, and I think we should we should clarify for the people who are listening at home who may not realize mm. that we are in fact in the same room right now. How how can we prove this to them? What? Oh God, it's so much louder in person. Yeah, it's loud. Wow, I it's always like over the over freaking streamyard. It's always just like a little like, and I'm like, oh, <laughs> yeah, that was a jump scare. Yeah, it is. Mm. You know what didn't fall, though? What? My wallpaper. Not yet. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, it's... No, no, it's... Look, it wedged it, itself in the outlet, co- outlet cover. It always, it's not going to fall. It always No, leave that. it there. That's still... Fine. Do we count that? 
What what is the chat thing? Does that count as a fallen wall panel? I mean, the adhesive is not holding it anymore. I feel like it would probably maybe count. partial, half credit, half credit. So we call this like one and a half wall panels within the first five minutes. Yeah, I think That's the good. way that we could prove that we're together in person is by actually having that fist fight that we were talking about. I think so too. Ow. Ugh. Do you give up yet? No. Do you? No. I guess we'll call it a draw. <laughs> All right. Oh, God. Look at this. People People in chat are still going off about... And some people agree with me, and you're not going to feature those comments, but there are people that no, agree I with will. me. No, I will. You know what? I'm going to call your bluff right now. I'm going to go through here, and I'm going to find one. Good. Someone said... Luke is right, but Noah is writer. Mm -hmm. Well, that's not even a word, so that doesn't really count. Uh, so I know I'm going to throw mean. that one we away. We all know. You, you can infer you know, what they meant if you're smart enough. Well, Daniel says, I can't believe you let Luke come your house and computer shame you. That's true. That's true. Well, sometimes you just need to be shamed. Mm, not in this case. Natural scrolling brought to you by the same engineers of the Magic Mouse charge port location. That's a good one. You know what is actually a good one is the concept of natural scrolling because it's objectively better. Anyway, let's. I'm gonna just not let you respond to that. So our first topic for today. Mm -hmm. Yesterday we went downtown into San Francisco and we we did one of those driverless car taxi services, not to get anywhere because we just kind of like went down there parked and then taxied away and then back yeah but it was quite something it was a very interesting experience i i can't say that i was expecting it to be as normal as it was yeah it was really like there were for a lot of the time that we were in the car like once we were in the car and the car was going i almost kind of forgot that there was not a driver in the front seat until i looked absolutely same I, I did have a couple of moments where I was like, oh, yeah, we're just we're just in the car. And then I'd look up and just see the steering wheel moving on its own and realizing that there was no, like, person up there. And I was like, oh. Yeah, it was really, especially the turns, because I feel like when it was just going straight, I'd be like, okay, yeah, yeah, we're going straight. And then when it was going to make a turn, mm. we're like, oh, boy, it's making a turn. Let's see what happens. And then it would just do it. And it did it, yeah. Now, I, I do have a couple of theories. So the service that we were using is called Cruise. Uh, I think I think I'm probably going to make a video. We, we did shoot some footage on our iPhones and whatnot. Uh, so I think I will probably do a video. Uh, it might be on a second channel that I'm working on. Spoiler alert, I am working on a car channel. Whoa. Got some content planned, and this will probably be on it, because I don't know that there would be that many people that would want to see this on the main channel. But, yeah, no, it was... The weirdest moments for me were when we set off and when the car drove away empty. Yeah. I yeah. think those were the weirdest. Would you agree? Yeah, definitely, like, seeing the car, like, when we were outside of the car, and seeing the car, like, pull in and park on its own, or get out and drive, mm -hmm. and we're just like, there's not a person in there. Like, when you're inside the car, you're like, oh, we're inside the car, the car is just driving us, whatever. Yeah. But, like, when you see it going out there, it's weird. 
And it's weird, it, like, even in the context of, you see Waymo cars all the time, but they always have two engineers in them. Right. So, like, they're ostensibly driving themselves, but it doesn't really look like anything too crazy, because there's someone in there to take over. But we were just completely, 100% in the hands of this car. Because when it arrived... It had driven its way there on... Like, I imagine that they just have, like, a little warehouse where they have the cars. Oh, God, it's so loud. Yeah. I'd never re... Ugh. It's scary. I imagine that they just have, like, a warehouse with the ten cars in the crew's arsenal. Yeah. And they just, like, turn them on and just send them out, like... like like when you have pets that you let outside for a while. Yeah, yeah, You're like, yeah. go, go have fun. Go pick up some people. And then you, off they go. Yeah, and it has, you know, the, the, that geofencing is like, you know, the, the, the mm. electric fence. Yes. You know, for, yes. The, for the pets. And they're like, you can't go outside of that area. Only at night. They go out in the mm-hmm. backyard. Mm-hmm. They play. Mm-hmm. And then they come back to charge. Exactly. And their name, the, the name of our car was Lettuce. Yes. So it really is, we're really reinforcing this whole pet car mentality here yeah i think we did start talking to the car like you would a pet at one point it's a little bit it's a little bit odd that's just how it is like you know normally there's a driver and you get in you say hello whatever maybe you talk to them and then you say goodbye when that's missing your brain kind of has to fill in the gaps there right that's true that's actually a good point like i know you're kind of half joking but like legitimately like it's such a weird thing to just get out of a car and just and then it goes away. I feel like I'm always like, "Thanks, bye." Yeah, exactly. Like if you're like if you're not <laughs> if you're if someone's driving the car for you. Yes. Like, you're Uber, in the back seat. Yeah, if it's some sort of like a rideshare or a taxi, like yeah, you're gonna you're gonna say hello, tell them where you're going. Or maybe you don't tell them for Uber. I don't know. Yeah. But then when you get out, you know, you say thank you, whatever. I have never, I, I have never gotten out of the non-driver seat of a car without saying something. Yeah. And it was weird. I, I mean, I still, that's still true because we did also, you know, thank and greet the car, mm-hmm. uh, even though it it couldn't hear us. Although I'm convinced that they were just monitoring video and audio the whole time via those cameras. Yeah, 100%. they definitely could have been. I would love to see like what it what it's like for them. Like, mm. like, like imagine you're sitting in the command center and you see the ten different screens and you're like listening to the people like in like, like the oh command center. You've got like I imagine they have like lots of monitors and they're and they have like those little tech lines and they go bleep, 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 mm. you know those like little sounds that they make in the movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, they probably have like a clear holographic desk. Oh, yeah. In the middle of the room with, like, a map. And mm. then they, like, do gestures in the air and the map, like, extrudes into yes. 3D. Yeah. And they can, like, zoom like this and it goes, you know, those little sounds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100% that is what it is. Like, mood lighting and dark blue. Yeah, it's like the Hunger Games uh, Game Maker. Yes. Uh, arena. That, that it's, it's that. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. And they probably have, like, Hunger Games abilities, too. Mm-hmm. They just didn't use them on us, like landmines, for example. Yeah, or like they could just make the car, like they could definitely make the car explode. There's no question about that. 100%. They could make the car crash if they want it to. 100%. They could make it like 
swerve around or like you know malfunction. Like they could probably just turn the sensors off for a couple seconds. Yeah. And give you a little bit of a scare. Yeah, know? just like a little spook. Yeah, they they're just got, like they're just like ah. They got all kinds of stuff going on. It would actually be interesting. I think they probably should implement like uh, an action movie mode. Mm-hmm. Where it, like, dodges in and out of traffic and, ex- you know, sends things off. In, like, cop cars chase it, and then it, like, leads them off on the ramp, and then they tumble and explode. They probably have that capability. I mean, technology is getting pretty in-depth these days. Um, but on a more serious note, we should probably talk about the actual yeah. car. I'm, look, I, I'm not going to lie. I was like, oh, haha, self-driving car all day long. And then we got in it, and it really set in, and I was like, oh, this is weird and unnatural and extremely odd. Yeah, it was, I don't know, it was, yeah, because, like, you call the car from their app, and it works, I'm assuming, pretty similar to the Uber app, Mm -hmm. right? Where you just, you call it, it tells you the price, it says it'll pick you up here, drop you off here. And you call it and it's like, okay, the car is on its way. And we're yep. like, all right, we'll look out for the car. And then... That whole process was exactly the same yeah. as Uber. Yeah. Open it up. Where are you? Where do you want to go? Car will be there in five minutes. You could see on the map where it is. It was the exact same price as Uber as well. So it, yeah. it wasn't any more expensive. It was like literally within a penny what Uber was charging. And, and then it shows up. And then you're like, that's an empty car. There's no one in there. What the hell? Yeah, it shows up. First of all, it's very distinctive with all of the sensors on it that are very. Yeah, you, know, you got the big old lidar thing on top. You got the things on the on the wind the uh, the, the the mirrors, the side mirrors. Yeah, the little lidar scanners. They did move around a lot. They're like, and then the thing on the top, the little like the little lighthouse on the top, where it's like, you know? Yeah, yeah, just like that. And it spins around. The, so we did have a couple of hiccups. Yeah. It, it was overall very good. Yeah. But there were, how would we describe it? I would say four okay. hiccups. Sure. So the first hiccup was, um, we're coming down, there was a green light, and someone ran across the road. And it hit the brakes pretty hard. Mm-hmm. Like, I heard tire squeal. Yeah. So that one, and we I think we were on FaceTime, and we kind of went like, what? Yeah. That one was a little bit... I mean, it was very safe. Like, we weren't very close. We were probably 50, 70 feet back. So it was being overly cautious, which is what it should do. Um, the other incident... What was the one after that? There was another... Yeah, because it, it, it hit the brakes hard twice in yeah. that first ride. Yeah. The second one, I don't think it... I don't know what it saw. I think it was a false detection. Yeah. But like just for a very split second, it went like, and then it kept going. It wasn't as harsh as the first time. Yeah. But it did just kind of like smack on the brakes for a hot second because it think it thought it saw something. Yeah. Um, oh, and then I guess the end of the trip was a bit, a bit of a miss. The end of the trip was very interesting because we... You know, we had the destination put in, and I think it didn't even want to go to the exact destination. It it, it took us somewhere that was supposed to be kind of near it. Yeah. It was like a six-minute walk. From, not that it mattered to us, because we weren't actually going to the destination. We put some mm-hmm. random park in. 
Yeah, I think it didn't. I I don't think it knew how to drive in the park road, so it went to the nearest city road or something. Yeah, but then as the car was approaching, we were getting ready to get out, and it did not stop. And then it just. Oh God, I keep hitting this thing. (laughs) All right, use the other hand. It kept going, and it uh, and it just started going around the block again. Yeah, so we circled the block twice because it couldn't. it, It. I think it was there were parked cars, and it didn't find anywhere that it could pull over. But then it just kept. It just kind of went into a feedback loop, and it was. And it just started circling. Oh my Jesus. <laughs> oh my. Do you know which two wall panels have not fallen down, Noah? Yeah, the two that have fresh adhesive on them. Not just fresh. Because you've had fresh adhesive and they still fall. Usually. almost. I We have had almost every single episode be six out of six wall panels falling. Okay, usually when I put fresh adhesive, mm. they last for at least a little bit. But I will say that you you have a different adhesive pattern than I do, so that yes. could be it could be working. I accidentally turned my flash on. I don't know how. <laughs> anyway, I think I think honestly, what you should do, we're totally derailing the car talk. By the yeah. way, I think what you should do. This is Noah's adhesive. Mm-hmm. It's sort of a duct tape type of thing, but it's double sided. I think what you should do is cut really really long strips. And then cut them vertically and like down the middle Mm. so that you can basically get like coverage on all of the ridges. Like you see, they're kind of shining in the camera here. That's an interesting idea. And just get as much of those covered because when you put on these little pieces here like this, like this part here is fresh adhesive because it doesn't actually touch the wall. So you're not getting anywhere with that. True. That's my, that's my theory. Right. If you if you wanted to solve, well, attempt to solve the panel problem. All right. It's a lot more work, though. Yeah. I'm still shaken up by that loud <laughs> noise. What were, what were we talking about? The car parking at the end of the ride. Oh, yeah. we How did we get out of that again? We hit the end ride button, and oh. then the car pulled over and called the support uh, people. Yeah, that was interesting, because... They called the support people and they're like, how can we help you? And we're like, I mean, I, I didn't know that. I didn't think that we needed to talk to them. I thought it was just going to pull over and then yeah. end it. But I'm then, assuming like since it's still in beta or whatever, they're just going to, it just does that automatically. Yeah. But I will say, you know, we pressed the end ride button and pretty quickly it managed to pull over mm-hmm. and, uh, and it still called the people. And by the time they, they picked up, which was pretty quick, we had already pulled over. And so we just told them that it was fine. Um, but we did have to manually intervene to, to get the car to stop. I was very curious to know how long it would have gone for if we hadn't stopped it. I didn't have the patience to test it, but was also curious about that. Yeah. Now keep in mind, this was at like 1am because the, I don't know if people know what cruise is. I hadn't heard of it until we tried it. Um, but they, they can only run, there's only 10 cars and they run from 10 PM to 5 AM in a very, very specific part of downtown San Francisco. So it's very much in beta. But for a beta product, I'd say Lettuce did pretty well. Overall, very cautious. It really took every stop sign literally. Yes, it was very... That was another thing that I think we should talk about, was the stopping. So so the car was very cautious. It slowed down at crosswalks, which is a good thing. But, uh, but, but it definitely slowed down more than a you know, human driver would have. 
maybe a little bit more than necessary, but I'm not necessarily going to fault it for slowing down at a crosswalk. I don't know. Yeah. A little bit unnatural. Um, but especially the stopping, you know, it always came to a complete stop, which I think is a good thing, but it came to the complete stop very slowly every yeah. time. And I think, you know, my theory was that it was for, you know, improved comfort of being less, uh, like jittery or not jittery, but like less of a hard stop. But yeah. at the same time, it was a little bit annoying and it wouldn't have been that hard. It wouldn't have been a hard stop if they just, you know, hit the brakes a little bit sooner. Yeah, they were. I think it was basically tuned so that in all ways, acceleration, steering, turning, and stopping, it it's it's kind of tuned to not like make you move at all in your seat. Because mm -hmm. I think I and I mean I guess I understand that. Because if I'm like a beta product and it was like making me go like this or like whoa, I'd probably be like holy shit, I'm never getting in one of these again. But they probably were a little bit too, like, I kind of felt like it was being driven by, like, an 89-year-old. Yeah, or, like, an overly, like, maybe this car was taking its driver's test and it was being yes. overly cautious. That's actually extremely, like, it, it, it was as if the driving test instructor was in the car yeah. there. And it was like, I don't want to, I don't want to fail. Yeah. Like, it knew what it was doing, but it was scared to scare the passengers and it does like the, you know, stop, one, two, three, go, that yeah. you only ever do in your driving test and then never do that ever again for your entire life. Because I have never seen someone come to a complete stop at an empty stop sign. Yeah. And, you know, to be fair, in a way, this is kind of a driving test. Not that we're driving instructors, per se. But True. It is, it is a beta test. True. We are testing. You know, we're, we're evaluating the product. They're evaluating the product. You know, Cruise, the company, is evaluating the product mm. to improve it. And, and I think it makes sense for them to err on the side of caution, which they definitely did. And I definitely agree with you that if the car were more aggressive, that people would be more scared of it. Even if the car thought to its, you know, if the car had reasons that it was a safe thing to do and it's something that a human driver would have done. You know, there's definitely that factor of this is there's no person driving this mm -hmm. car that needs to be offset by extra safety or extra caution. I think that's a very good way to put it. So I think we got to talk about what did we what, what do we have next? I forgot. The Apple Watch Ultra. I don't know. We, we could we could talk about that. I mean, we did go on a hike with it. We did go on a hike with it. Um, I, I mean, as we talked about on the hike. It's a, good, it's a good thing that we had them because almost 100% chance we would have died. Oh, yeah. This was this hike was almost three miles. Insane. Yeah, no. Insane. And, I mean, not to brag, but we changed like a thousand feet in elevation. Oh, yeah. This was, this was a big one. This was not only a hike. There mm. was some bouldering involved as well. We did boulder. Oh, yeah. It was... There were some pretty gnarly rock rocks. faces that we climbed oh super big big free climbing rocks there was one time remember that one time that you fell and your apple watch caught you and oh. you held on by the titanium case and it pulled you back up yeah dude that was that was that incredible. was nuts almost unbelievable almost almost but not quite unbelievable. but i believe it i believe it i believe it absolutely no i mean okay in all fairness, yeah, going for a hike in a national park isn't really testing the Apple Watch to its extreme, but I will say for what it's worth that I had only charged for like 20 minutes that morning, and we left to go on this 
hike with like 40% battery in my watch and I didn't worry about it at all. And we got back with like 30% several hours later. I think it's worth mentioning too that you didn't even bring your Apple Watch charger on this trip. Yeah, I didn't. The So we've, I, we've been here since Wednesday at 9 p.m. So that's, mm-hmm. is that four days now? Yeah. Okay, yeah. So I've been here for four days. I have charged three times for 20 minutes each time never to full uh it's 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 amazing it really is because it's not even like i think it's not even about being able to go two full days on a charge it's about like oh i'm getting low pop it on the charger for 20 minutes while you're like taking a shower which is what i was doing and then just leaving i like i'm Right now I'm at 59% at, I think it was like noon is when I charged it up to like 65. Yeah. And it's been five hours and I've gone down like 6%. Like it's, it kind of feels like, it kind of feels like a gas car. Mm -hmm. Like you're, you're at a third, two thirds battery or tank and you're not like, oh, I should make sure that I'm full before I start my day. You're like, oh, that's fine. I'll just, I can do today on two-thirds battery easily it's it's really just one step closer to not being so conscious about your apple watch battery and i feel like the eight the 18 hour battery life it always got me through a day i very rarely had an instance even when my series 5 was three years old and the battery was degrading quite a bit Mm -hmm. i never had an instance where i woke up with a full charge and went to bed within a reasonable time frame with it being dead that never happened to me but i always did need to charge it that night yeah every single like if i wake up at a normal hour the series 5 needs to get charged when i go to bed but with the ultra if i'm like traveling and i don't have time to charge it or if i'm you know didn't bring a charger here pop it on the charger for 20 minutes like it's just one less thing that you're always thinking about Whenever I've traveled with the Series 5, I almost always have a a dead watch on my wrist at some point. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think the Series 5 only died on me like one time that I can remember. Mm. But there have been plenty of times, you know, because I always have to... First of all, I wear, you know, I wear the watch to sleep as well as during the day, so I don't leave it plugged in overnight. And there have been times where I've plugged it in with low battery... And then I go to take it off, you know, to, to sleep with and the battery's low and I either stay up a little bit extra to let it charge more, which is kind of annoying, mm. or I take it off and it's just low. And then the next day, if I start with a lower battery, then I got to make sure that I go up in the afternoon and let the watch charge. And if I forget and it gets to, you know, low percentage, then I start to worry. You know, it's died on me at least twice, actually. I can think of another time. Damn. But, you know, I definitely agree that, you know, you don't need the 48-hour battery, but it just makes, you know, so much less Mm -hmm. uh, of of a worry. And I was thinking, you know, you sort of compared it to a gas car, and I was just thinking, you know, comparing it to, you know, my car for this uh, this time that you've been here, Mm. you know, because my, you know, my Polestar with, you know, somewhere around 240-mile range, and we have been in situations where we've had to go charge it. Like yesterday, we had to go charge it before we went on this hike mm. and then we're going to have to go charge the car tonight so that I can get Luke to the airport tomorrow. Yeah. And you know, those are the things where if you had more range or I guess if you had a gas car, you know, you wouldn't have to worry as much. That's a good segue. 
I think that's probably like it, it's the gas car analogy is a little bit more loose because I guess with the gas car, you're more on like a weekly or almost monthly basis sometimes. Mm-hmm. But but EV range, I think, does make sense. So it's not necessarily like and that's a good segue because I did want to talk about the Polestar because mm-hmm. I, I really like the Polestar. I think the issue with all electric cars is range, but not in the way that it's talked about. I think most people talk about range in a road tripping sense, which I find to be almost entirely meaningless. Yeah. Like whenever people are like, oh, the Lucid Air has 500 miles of range. That's great because my grandparents live 500 miles away. I'm like, okay, first of all, I will probably shoot myself in the head if I have to drive 500 miles nonstop. Mm-hmm. I, I cannot do that. I'm going to need to recharge before the car is. Two, a 500-mile road trip with a 500-mile range where you arrive and your car is dead, basically, no one's going to do that either. Mm-hmm. So to me, the the range aspect of a car is less about how far you can go on the charge but the intervals between when you need to charge when you're driving around town. Because whenever people talk about like, oh, you can drive on the highway for 400 miles, I'm not going to do that except for maybe once a year. I don't go on that many road trips. But I do drive pretty frequently day to day. And if you can say, okay, rather than charging it every two days, I can charge it every three days. Or I can just trickle charge at home and not even have to go to a a fast charger along the way for my daily operations. That's kind of the Apple Watch Ultra. The Apple Watch Ultra is the Lucid Air, I would submit to you. Wow, the the Lucid Air of smartwatches. It is. It is. Because a lot of people don't really need all of the features of the Lucid. It's a $100,000, $150,000 car. Mm -hmm. But having... All of those features and specifically that battery longevity is so nice. Oh, dude, a 500 mile EV, like just imagine all of the benefits of an EV, but reducing the amount that you're worrying about, oh, let me charge this before work tomorrow. Or, oh, let me make sure that before I go drop off Luke at the airport, I got to charge up because we drove yesterday. And like, if you remove those considerations... It just makes the experience so much more enjoyable. And the Apple Watch Ultra is like that for an Apple Watch. Yeah, it definitely is. And I I do agree with you. I think, you know, for me personally, you know, I'd say on the average day, I don't drive at all. Like most days, or or at least a couple days a week, I don't drive at all. Because I don't Mm. drive to work. I bike to work. Uh, You know, if if I go other places, I'll, I'll often bike or walk. Uh, so, but, but I do drive, you know, if I drive to a, to a friend's house or drive, you know, to the, to the grocery store or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so for me, the, the, the Polestar limited range is usually not a problem, mm-hmm. but in a case like this where you're here and we're doing a lot of driving or, you know, the case of a road trip and maybe we should, we can mention, you know, an upcoming road trip yeah. as well. But in, in the case of, of those kinds of things, it is definitely nice to have you know Mm. there are cases where it's nice to have for some people those cases are going to be more frequent than others and i think for me the polestar 2 range is fine for me for my life now and i have you know three-year lease and i'm almost one year into it and i think that's going to be fine but i am also looking forward to the additional range because for situations like you know this when you're coming to visit or a road trip or whatever it would make it better but definitely i agree 
you know, road trip. I'm not driving 400, 500 miles straight. Yeah, absolutely. I can't do it. I, yeah, that, that wouldn't even, I, I wouldn't even consider doing something like that. Yeah. So for road trips, if anything, I think road trip range is irrelevant to me because it's hard to find a car with sub 200 miles of range. Yeah. And I can't make it more than 200 miles in one go. So for road trips, I don't care about range at all. Yeah. For me, it's more about the day-to-day. If I'm going to, like we went to a national park, which did happen to have electric car charging, mm-hmm. but it was like a 45-minute drive. So that's the type of thing where if you don't have charging there, it's not so much that you're going to run out of distance, but you want to make sure that you have enough range to go and come back. Right. Um, and I think that's a good point what you said about leasing. In my opinion... I would not purchase a car with less than 300 miles of range. Mm-hmm. I would lease one because I, 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 to, to my mind, a longer term commitment with less than 300 miles of range, once you factor in the battery degradation that you're going to face, I don't really I don't really want to buy into that in like an ownership sense. Not to mention the fact that I think that sentiment is going to cause the residual values for these cars in the long term to decrease pretty significantly. The example that I give for that is the original Nissan Leaf. The original Nissan Leaf, I don't remember how much it cost when new, but it wasn't it wasn't cheap. I think it was somewhere in like the 30s, so inflation adjusted, probably mid 40s. Okay. Uh, I'll look that up now, but you can get the original Nissan Leaf for dirt cheap, dirt cheap. It, you can get them for like less than $8,000. And that's like in, in like those premium dealers, like Carvana and CarMax with like low miles, 70,000 miles on a 10 year old car. These things depreciated like a sack of bricks falling down a spiral staircase uh so that when new thirty-two thousand seven eighty, inflation calculator now obviously yeah it's an it's an 11 year old car it's going to depreciate i wouldn't necessarily say that that's terribly more than a gas car at thirty two seven hundred. so it's forty three thousand dollars in 2011 and now it's like five that's that's a lot of depreciation. Yeah. So electric cars might end up being a little bit more like your cell phone. They're gonna lose a lot of their value, and I think that's going to catch up with Tesla. That's a an interesting point because you know a lot of people say, "Oh, Tesla's the best. They have the best residual values." I don't think that's going to last. As soon as we get a next generation of batteries and EVs where three hundred plus is the norm, that is going to absolutely demolish the resale value of these EVs. So that's why I, I would not want to buy one. I don't want that depreciation to be my problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, but 300 plus, that's where the sweet spot is. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely think I think that's interesting because like there's sort of, there's that, that, that class of EVs that are like the super short distance, like mm-hmm. the 100 mile sort of EVs, right? BMW i3. Right. Chevy Bolt, whatever that Mazda one is, MX one hundred or oh that the the MX fifty, whatever it's called, I don't know. But the that one sucks. 
Yeah. Well, that is a compliance car. That's They only sell it in California because California requires them all to have an EV, so they, like, slapped it together, and, like, five people bought them. It's terrible. Yeah. So whatever whatever those are. But, like, there's that, that class of, you know, 100-mile cars, and then there's sort of, I guess, the, the main class of cars is somewhere in the 200s, like, maybe mm-hmm. low 300s, you know, depending. Like, I think Tesla gets to the low 300s, maybe. I mean, right now they don't sell... They stopped selling the Model 3 long range. Oh. Uh, but I don't remember what it was. I think it was about, like, 308 is what they were... 353... The long, Yeah, 353 is pretty good. But I think Tesla tends to be a little bit uh, over estimating in in their uh ratings so low 300s right bmw does that as well the i4 can get to 300 as well but that's like i know what you mean that middle like 40 to 60 thousand range right of smaller cars and suvs and then there's the big luxury boys the rivian the lucid the model s right those are pushing into the 400 range and when that gets down to the 40 to 60 range and when the 40 to 60 like 200 mile range gets down to 2030 that is the ev revolution yeah that's what's going to happen and when those when the you know 200 low 300 cars get down to where like the price of where like the 100 mile or or less cars are then that's that's the big shift, and that's sort of where a lot of the depreciation, I think, is going to happen. Oh, yeah, because all of the old Model 3s, the old Model S's, the Polestars, all the EVs in that sub-300 category, like, the second that you can buy a brand-new EV with 350 miles of range for forty grand, all of the other cars are going to plummet. Yeah. So, I wouldn't buy one. Yeah. I would lease it, though. I still want one. Bro, I cannot wait for an EV. Uh, you, it's being here and driving around in the Polestar, even though we have had to charge a little bit, but to be yeah. fair, we did drive a lot. Yeah. We did like three or 400 miles. Yeah. So it was going to need some charges anyway. Yeah. But it's just such a... I just love yeah. driving an EV. It's so quiet and it's like... Vroom, uh, I love it. Yeah, it's a lot. And you, you drove it a little bit while you were here, and, mm-hmm. and I know that, that you uh, enjoyed the that, that you know straight line speed up. Is oh, of course. Fun and, That's always fun. And the quiet ride and all that stuff is good. All right, we got to pivot to this comment here. Thoughts mm-hmm. on the No October Apple event rumor? This one is an interesting one, and I have to say, I think, like, I didn't predict it so much as I had this feeling when we looked at at the 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 stuff left on the docket for apple this year and i was kind of like uh-huh okay i i i think it makes sense that we wouldn't get an event because like let, let, let's go through it what's left what do we have this year right right m2 pro and max mm-hmm. macbook pros that's a spec bump right that is like you know the intel days when they would say we got the new ninth gen to replace the eighth gen intel cp right 10-15% improvements in performance, pricing is the same, physically the same, 
everything looks the same. That's certainly doesn't really need that much event time. We've also heard M2 iPad Pros. It seems like the redesign is not happening yet, so that's again a spec bump, not really in need of event time. And then, I mean, there's that base model iPad that we heard about with the new mm, design. Right. That one, I mean, that one could be at an event if there was other things to talk about. Right. But since there's not, I mean, they did do AirPods Max with a press release. Yeah, exactly. That's what I keep going back to. Yeah. So I honestly think it makes sense. I just, I don't think there's going to be anything else exciting this year. And to be quite honest, I think that apart from the Mac Studio, on the Mac side especially, this year was pretty tame. Yeah, I think, I mean, we got M2, and it was a spec bump, and that's what we were expecting. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they're they're bringing out, they're bringing it out to their devices, you know, their different, different uh, products. And I guess, you know, we got the MacBook Air redesign, right? Yeah, the MacBook Air redesign, which I think kind of falls into that middle ground of like, it's not that exciting. Right, it's it's the same basic design that we saw in the MacBook Pro, yeah. adapted for the Air. It's it's a bit of a safe play. They didn't they didn't do anything super risky. It's not like the 12 inch Retina MacBook, which I think was a really cool idea, a very bold product, even though it completely failed and sucked. Um, so I guess you know Apple they didn't want to take any risks with the MacBook Air. That's the big bucks. So you're not gonna you know, play with fire if you don't have to. Yeah, and I mean, to be fair, it's a great computer, right? Oh, yeah. It's a great machine. It's a very easy one to recommend, and it has a lot of the great stuff that the MacBook Pro has, and mm -hmm. the MacBook Pro redesign is great, and everyone loves it. So it makes a lot of sense, yeah. but I agree. The MacBook, when the MacBook Pro design got announced, that was very exciting. When it came to the Air, it was like, oh, that's good. I'm glad that the Air has that now. It really mm -hmm. needed an upgrade. But it's not like, wow, this is some totally new thing because it's, you know, the MacBook Pro design with, I guess, rounded corners. Yeah, basically. Slightly thicker bezels, but it's like, it's not that exciting compared to the MacBook Pros last year. Um, the, the MacBook Pros, the M1 the new 14 and 16 inch were just absolute blockbusters like that is just like the most exciting stuff that you're going to get from apple on the mac probably until the mac pro and unfortunately i i guess the said side effect of that is the macbook pro is probably not going to be that exciting again for at least half a decade yeah because they stick with these designs for four or five or six years at this point it, yeah, I don't think that it's going to be that exciting for a while. We'll have chip stuff to talk about, but I don't expect that much else. But the MacBook Air is just sort of quietly good. It doesn't like shake things up that much, but it's just kind of solid. I do wish it was about $100 or $200 less expensive. Yeah. Because the problem is once you start to put any amount of money into upgrading an M2 MacBook Air, you should just stop what you're doing and, and buy a 14-inch MacBook Pro. Because you can get them for like $1,600 now. Yeah. Like $1,599 for the M1 Pro MacBook Pro 14-inch. For the display alone, I would take that deal. 
not even factoring the performance and the ports and the battery and like everything. Um, so I think if the M3 MacBook Air comes down in price, then it'll once again hit that sweet spot of like, don't even question it, just buy the damn thing. But at 1200 and with the SSD thing, it's a little bit like it's fine, it's good, but it's not like that instant recommendation that the M1 was. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess in terms of October, come on, Tim, we need something here. I guess, I guess what we're really saving up for are two big, like 2023 things mm-hmm. is Mac pro and VR. Yeah. That's what we're really getting at. Yeah. Yeah. Are you excited? I am excited. I mean, the Mac Pro is not a product that I would ever buy personally, but it is always cool to see, you know, what the big, uh, what Apple's biggest and best thing is going to be. And I feel like the Mac Pro usually is interesting for better or for worse. You can look at the trash can. Wasn't a very good computer, but it was very interesting. It had a very distinct design. You know, you pop off the, the, the top and you can see all of the different components. It was pretty cool. The cheese grater design is classic, and we got the new cheese grater design as well, and all of that stuff. So I think the Mac Pro will be very interesting, and the VR is really the big one, because that's going to be a new product line for Apple, a new, probably a new major product line for Mm -hmm. Apple. And I guess, what was the last one? The Apple Watch? Is that the last major product line? Yeah. No, you're right. Yeah, because it would have been, I guess, the reinvention of the Mac with the iMac in 1998, Mm -hmm. and then it was the iPod. Right. And then probably you could argue that the Intel transition and like the newer generation of Apple of Mac in the mid 2000s, mm-hmm. obviously the iPhone, then the iPad, mm-hmm. then the Apple Watch, and then Apple Silicon. Yeah. So the next step, certainly AR, VR. Yeah. And just, just a couple days ago, Tim Cook, very thinly veiled said, this is a quote from his Q&A session at a university in, was it in Barcelona? Naples, Italy. Not even close. (laughs) Don't worry about that. He said, I'm super excited about augmented reality. Um, So I think that if you, and this will happen clearly not too long from now, if you look back at a point in time, you know, zoom out to the future and look back, you'll wonder how you led your life without augmented reality. That is a big claim because right now I think augmented reality is very solidly in that like niche curiosity realm. Mm -hmm. You know, there are car manufacturers that have augmented reality heads up displays that pop up a little arrow and tell you where to go. Um, There's like the little AR demos of Apple products that just like go on your phone. There's Pokemon Go. Like... It's, it's a niche, it's a novelty. Yeah. So Tim Cook saying in the not too distant future, it will be so integral that you won't be able to imagine how you survived without it. Like how you, how did you survive without a phone in your pocket? How did you survive without easy mapping navigation? Does he really think that what Apple can do is going to be that revolutionary? 
Yeah, and in that quote, he specifically compared it to the internet. He was like, you'll imagine how could you live without VR or without AR, like how people used to live without the internet, and now we have the internet. That's that's huge. That's massive. That's the internet, bro. That's the that's, that's the internet. We're literally the internet right now. We're in we're in we're the internet. in it. We're into the net. Whoa. Cue the like matrix yeah. green lines yeah. of binary code. Like, okay. I, I think that's probably a little bit of hyperbole. I think so. To be honest. Um, because I think they make similar claims about the Apple Watch, but I would argue that the Apple Watch is... Okay, maybe not like comparing it to the internet, but they do kind of oversell how important the Apple Watch is. They're like, it's an integral part of your life and it saves your life every day. And I'm like, okay, let's... let's it's not that deep. Yeah. So maybe... I, it does seem though... Like, he's saying that AR, VR, bigger deal than an Apple Watch. Yeah. I and mean, the Apple Watch is very popular. It is very popular, and I know we both love our Apple Watches. We sure do. We spent a couple minutes talking about it. Yeah. There are a lot of people, like, I, I don't know. It's just, I'm trying to imagine what we would do with AR. Like... I think this is going to be one of those things that Apple used to be famous for, where it was like, we don't give you what the customer wants. Mm -hmm. We give you what the customer doesn't know that they need. Yep. That was Tim Cook's whole, or not, that was Steve Jobs' whole thing. It It wasn't chasing trends, it was predicting them. So, I can't even, like, imagine what that would entail. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think about it, and, like, I just keep coming back to things that are, like, it's the Apple Watch, but within your vision. Yeah. Like, the notifications pop up on the side. Mm-hmm. Or even, you know, like, Apple has the AR maps where it shows you, like, the direction to go, you know, you, you hold your phone up and it shows you in the camera, like, go this way, mm. or whatever. Something like that could be cool. Or, like, whatever, but I'm thinking of things that are very much, like, you know, existing, like, Apple Watch, iPhone things but they're just in front of you instead of having to pull out another device. And I think that if Apple is making claims like this, they have other ideas that are beyond that, 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 you know, I can't think of right now. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I just, it's like, how, how can you do something with that? That is that revolutionary. So, so mind blowing that we can't even imagine it. Yeah. It, and I mean, I guess he, the caveat was that it's not going to be overnight. It's not like there's going to be eyeglass and it's instantaneously going to change the game. But they've been working on this for a long time. In college, in like 2018, I wrote, like we had to do like a press release thing. So I did an imagined press release for Apple Glass mm. um, because the rumors were going then. Yeah. So they've been doing this for... Well over five years, I would probably guess. I'm sure. And that's like, that's a long time. There were even rumors suggesting that for Apple's initial headset, and I think this was VR, the rumors are a little sketchy on that because clearly Apple publicly has been completely focused on AR. But we keep hearing about these VR glasses. So maybe they'll be see-through. I don't see myself wearing them in public for that reason. Like, I'm not going to wear, like, scuba goggles out in the public and yeah. be like, 
hello. But apparently the displays for those are are are, are looking at 2,500 pixels per inch per eye. That's like dual 6K displays in front of your eyeballs. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah, there's some of the specs sound pretty crazy and i yeah i want to talk about like because vr i know we were talking about this and like the rumor was maybe they were going to start with vr Mm. and then do ar because i guess the vr is you know maybe it's a little bit easier maybe it isn't but just the fact that you're that you're that it's you know fully a virtual screen uh, and it's not like trying to composite stuff on top or i don't know if that's the right word but it's not trying to like put things in motion track things although apple is very good at doing that but you know what would apple like i can imagine apple ar but like what would apple vr be would it be like apple arcade games in vr or like apple tv plus in a, <laughs> in a virtual like movie theater like what would that what would that be that is a great question um i could see that like spatial audio surround sound with a movie projected in front of you i could see that being pretty cool i could also see in an ar sense you could do like facetime share play but you would have instead of on your phone you'd have it in front of you and you're on facetime with your friends right that would be that would be cool Cause I don't, I don't use SharePlay. Like if I'm going to watch a movie, I'm not going to sit there on my phone like this. Yeah. Some people like that. If you're on the move, that's fine. Whatever. If I'm home and I have a perfectly good good TV, I'm not going to sit there like this. That's, that's goofy. Yeah. But if it was projected in space, okay, now we're talking. Um, that's nuts. And with that kind of pixel density, I could see that being legitimately very cool because I think, you know, one of the things that bothers me about Oculus, which is like the the nicest Oculus gets up to like 576 PPI. So we're talking about like multiples of that. That that is like fully retina quality because in an Oculus, you can definitely make out pixels and it kind Mm -hmm. of like is a little jarring. It, It gives me eye strain. Yeah. With that many pixels and with hopefully Apple engineering in a good sense doing their thing. I'm hoping that they can make something that I won't be fatigued using. I do want to point out a comment here that I saw. As long as Apple's VR glasses have natural scrolling, I'm happy. No, no, no. They have to though. What would that, what would scrolling even look like? Like you'd put your, your hand in front of there and do this. You, I think what they would do is have your hand, I mean, obviously using LiDAR, right? You're reaching out in front of you. It'll be able to see that and you'll just be able to move the physical. That that would absolutely have to be natural scrolling. You have to admit. Yeah, if you're touching. If you're, you're physically moving it. Yes, if you're touching the, the list, uh, the scrolling thing and you're moving it, then, then absolutely. absolutely it should be natural scrolling in that case. He'll never back down. You're just you're just an old fuddy-duddy and you're stuck in your ways. I mean, you know, some sometimes it's good, you know, things change. Mm-hmm. You know, it used to, my scrolling used to be the default and now yours are uh, your scrolling is and sometimes, you know, the new, 
You know, sometimes there's change and it's a good thing. And sometimes there's change and it's a bad thing. And we should go back to the way that things were. No. Sometimes that's the case. Name one other situation. Um, kids these days are entirely too loud mm. and they're always on my lawn. Uh-huh. So, so you're definitely proving that you're not a fuddy-duddy here. <laughs> no. It's no my, way. It's my lawn and those kids need to get off. Uh-huh. They're yeah. going to spoil the... You just put down fresh sod? Uh-huh. Wow. Yeah. There you have it. Noah, known non-fuddy-duddy. Yeah. You know what else I'm noticing? What else are you noticing? We are currently an hour and seven minutes into this stream. These wall panels have not budged. That is true. My methodology is very simple. Rather than having multiple small points of contact, I went for large point of contact. And it's also central. I don't know mm. if you picked up on that. So <laughs> Noah's typical arrangement as we can see here is many small dots you know one in each corner and then we got three across the middle i went for like a big strip here and like a big strip here mm -hmm. so they're in different orientations which is crucial for shearing force because that's what we're dealing with here right this isn't detaching this is shearing mm -hmm. so long vertical strips should in theory have less potential to just pop off like that. That's my that was the science that I employed for my wall panels. And in fact, we're going to we're going to update you guys next week on how long these actually stay up. We're going to leave these on until they fall. Sure. And if they're still here by next week's stream, then I feel like I need a, a prize. What should my prize be? If I get mm. these to stay up for a whole week, what do you, what do you, what have you always wanted? One hundred thousand dollars. Okay, I can't do that. <laughs> How about this? If you, mm. if you, if those wall panels stay up for a week, okay, then I will switch to natural. Scrolling <gasps> oh yes, and I will give it a fair shot before I inevitably switch back. For you have to do a full week. Fine, I'll do it for. I will. I will do it if those stay up. For however long they stay up for, I will switch to natural scrolling for that amount of time, at least. Mm. If they stay up for a week, I will use natural scrolling for a week, and maybe I'll stick with it. I won't, but maybe I will. <laughs> wow, at least you're open. I'm just... You're very clearly open and willing to change your terrible, dastardly ways. I'm willing, because I feel like that would only strengthen my, my, uh, my argument, right? To say, I tried your way... Mm. And I, don't I think know so. that it was wrong, and I went back. Not just like, oh, I'm doing my own thing, and you can't tell me what to no, do. No, that just means that you're bitter and biased. No, I don't think so. I do. You know what else I think? What else do you think? I think it's time to wrap up this podcast episode. I think so, too. I have been your host, Luke Miani. And I've been your host, Noah Rubin. We will see you next week, uh, but we will not be in person. That is true and unfortunate. Yes. Thank you guys for joining us. Have a good night.